Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are at at this time. And well, <coughs> today is another um, installment of the Climb and Lift program, uh, highlighting women in emergency management. Today we're talking about women in emergency management consulting with one of the most sought after emergency management consultants, Alyssa Carrier. And um, not only is she an entrepreneur and a leader, but she's also a civic leader who strives uh, as a strategic advisor uh, and counselor for leaders of federal and state level organizations. And she's the CEO of AC Disaster Consulting, LLC. That was founded in 2018. Alyssa, welcome to the Todd DeVos Show. Hi there, happy to be here. So I ask this question all the time because I, I really find the journey to emergency management super interesting, right? And if you talk to an emergency manager, uh, one, you hear a story of another one, they're never the same of how they got to, to this position. So what got you interested in emergency management and um, how did you uh, get to where you are today? I think you're muted. I, I, yeah, sorry, I'm muted. Apologize for the beeping behind me. I don't know what's going on. Oh, no <laughs> so hopefully you can hear me okay. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. So um, I went to college at the University of North Texas um, and played soccer there. My freshman year, um, you know, they have academic advisors for athletes. And um, they threw me into the Intro to Emergency Management program. And that was the semester 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. Um, so my freshman year of college was 9-11. I was in Intro to Emergency Management. Um, kind of fell in love with it immediately. And then while I was in college, you know, 2004, the three tornado or hurricanes hit Florida. We had the space shuttle crash happen over us. Uh, we felt it. Um, the tsunamis happened. It was just disaster after disaster. And then two weeks before um, I graduated, Hurricane Katrina hit. And three weeks later, Hurricane Rita hit. Um, and FEMA had started the emergency management program kind of as it was the first one in the nation at UNT. Um, and so, uh, our school had a relationship with FEMA, FEMA region six is in Denton where the school was. And so I was immediately hired by FEMA, um, right out of college to go work Katrina. Um, and so my first job out of college was working hurricane Katrina, um, in Louisiana. Wow. That's, that's kind of a small world because, uh, Brian, the guy behind the board here, um, you know, he went to Louisiana as well. And uh, working it remotely, it's, it's uh, for me. I was working it remotely. That's uh, that's one of those. Katrina seems to be that like catalyst of a lot of people's careers. I think, you know, at least this generation's careers. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think too, like COVID, you know, is kind of the new generation's disaster, right? Where it kind of is going to change emergency management a bit, and you know, but Katrina for a while. I mean, you know. How many people do you continuously run into that you worked with during Katrina still, yeah. you know? So I, w- I want to, I want to go down COVID here. There's a path just a second about, about people getting into emergency management, because I think at the end of the day, um, one of the things that I do, I mean, I'm, now I'm an educator, right? You know, I transitioned from being a practitioner to education um, and, you know, trying to bring up this next generation of emergency managers, if you will. And I think you're right. COVID has a, has shifted a lot of people towards that, you know, and then I know that, you know, we talk about the idea that maybe you were going to be focusing on more on public health now, like after 9-11, we focused more on, on Homeland Security stuff. Now it looks like we're focused more on public health and we're kind of, 
odd that way in, in this in this world the way we do this because we're always fighting last year's battles um what are what are you seeing now as new people enter the field of emergency management um you know what do you see the driving them to to do this job uh than we did before in the, in the past yeah i find you know it's really interesting we're seeing kind of a generational shift um i have a fairly young company so a lot of people in their 20s working for us and you know, what you find and what you, like what you see in real life and what you read is they want to do good things in the world. They want to make a difference. Um, and, uh, you know, the other side of that, they also want work-life balance. <laughs> you know, they want to be able to have, you know, work the hours they want to work and um, then go and have the life they want um, outside of work, but also make a difference. And I think that's great. We can find, you know, our mission in emergency management is to help people. So I think the mission fits well. What I find challenging is that, you know, when disasters hit and we have COVID, we just spent, you know, over two years in a worldwide pandemic, that that work-life balance isn't always going to be there um, when you're responding to a disaster. Um, And so, you know, I think they're very motivated. They want to help, but, you know, my staff especially has great ideas. Um, but sometimes it's challenging, you know, communicating that sometimes we're going to be working a lot of hours to help these communities, you know? Yeah. I always think it's funny, like people get into emergency response businesses, like, you know, emergency management, EMS, fire, police, whatever. And then like when the crap hits the fan, um, you know, you know, they're gone. You could be gone for weeks, right? Months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I have a friend of mine, um, Randy Stein, Randy, I'm laughing because the story's funny. So Randy, um, he's a former Marine. Um, uh, he um, uh, got into emergency management. We met working uh, when I was down at Dana Point. Um, and then he, he became the, uh, well, director of region, or, or region of the uh, Southern region for, uh, for Cal OES. And uh, his first day of the job, um, was when the Northern California fires, I think it was the Tubbs fire, one of those large, or Thomas fire, I think it was, kicks, right? And so he gets it, walks in, he's like, yeah, I'm going to ease into the job. Nope. He set up the Northern California and he's gone for months. And and uh, he's like, man, he goes, I think I've deployed longer at Cal OES than I had deployed when I was with the Marines, you know? <laughs> so, and he was in the first Gulf War, so it kind of put that in perspective, right? You know, yeah. so. So yeah, so you got to understand that you might think you're going to ease into the job and, you know, that your your first yeah, day of the job is uh, this. You know, um, Brian um, had an interview um, with the guy who became the SWAT commander uh, for Metro in Las Vegas. Uh, he was thir- third days at third. Oh, I can't speak English today. He was on his third day on the job um, when the shooting happened over there. So point is, is that are the students coming out um, of college today you know are we doing a good job as professors or to prepare them for the fact that their first day of the job they might be gone for weeks right of the, as soon yeah. as they walk in the door and i think too like you know um I, I think that colleges and stuff are doing a good job of training for the government side of jobs i don't think you see a lot they don't really know about the consulting side as much right you think of being a city or county emergency management fire department, the response side, but what we see a lot of times, like they don't even know this consulting side exists. You know, we're trying to develop partnerships with a lot of colleges and it's kind of, 
you know, a new thing for them. And so I don't think that, you know, that side of, yeah, you know, it's really cool that you can come work for a consulting company, but that side of it, you could be gone for months at a time. You know, I got, um, I got married the last week of February, um, 2020 and a week and a half later was deployed to the Florida EOC, um, to respond to COVID. And I joke with the director, director Guthrie there now, like I spent more time with him the first six months of my marriage than I did with my husband (laughs) by far, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So, you know, it's what we do. And so I think there's a fine line of, you know, we have to be able, you know, you know, for me as a consultant, we have to lay out, this is the job responsibility. We could get, we don't know when the next disaster is going to happen necessarily where it's going to be, what the time frame, and making sure that they're prepared, you know, for whatever that, that deployment's going to be. Let's talk about work-life balance here for a little bit. Cause you mentioned it a couple of times. And um, I mean, when I, when I married my wife, like you, you were already on the job. Uh, so I think she understood like what that meant. Right. And I was already working 24 hour shifts and stuff like that. Um, so she was sort of used to it from, from day one. Um, you know, my kids understood it still do, you know, they're not happy when I have to, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm no longer responding, but you know, they're no, they're, they weren't happy when I had to be gone, but they understood it. Um, what's it like, like, what do you tell young professionals coming into this job that aren't married uh, that might not have, uh, you know, a partner in any way? Um, how to explain what they do to uh, the people who they are, you know, even parents and stuff like that. How do you explain their job that they could be gone like that in a moment's notice? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, anytime someone asks you what you do, you're like, hmm, you have to take a step back and like, depending who's asking, right? <laughs> how do I explain this to them? You know, and I think what I try to, you know, promote to my staff is like, look, and one of the reasons I started the company is we're here to help communities in their worst times. Um, and you know, a lot of times that requires us to be on the ground with them and it's hard being away from family and friends, but the difference we're making in these people's lives, um, you know, you'll, you'll carry with you for the rest of your life, you know? Um, and so we just really try to promote and, you know, our mission is to help people and, um, that's where you'll get the most out of that is on the ground with these people who just experience, you know, a tragic thing in their lives. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the other side of it too. Is I think the people who are drawn to this um, to this profession are definitely caring people and, and that they want to help. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't. You're not going to last very long here at all. No, um, and I also tell them too. Like for me, um, you know, I was 21 when I graduated first job, and I volunteered for everything, right? I was newly out of college. I could travel everywhere. I could, you know, working for FEMA, who could go here? I'll go. Who could go here? Oh, you know, they, we have this training. And so I tell them, like, soak it all up, get all the experience you can, and then decide what area you want to follow your career path. But, you know, COVID, these disasters, there's a huge learning and opportunity and the experience of a lifetime that you will carry with you the rest of your career. Um, so why you don't have these responsibilities at home and you have the ability to travel, um, enjoy it and try to, you know, get as much experience as you can, um, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> because someday you're going to turn 52 and getting waking up at two o'clock in the morning is no longer fun. Uh, <laughs> just, to, just to let you guys know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your body hurts a little just bit more. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I used to like, you know, I they get that phone call in the morning and be like, all right, I'm there. Now I'm like, oh no. You know, so so I'm glad that I no longer have to take those phone calls. 
Um, <laughs> you know, well, for so, me, it's the opposite. Now I'm running a company and CEO, like I can't be involved in every project. And mm-hmm. we get the calls. I'm like, I want to go so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to go out to the disaster, but I can't. I have to run the company. Yeah, so. that's the other side of it, too. Let's talk about that. So you transitioned from, um, you know, being, you know, working in FEMA and doing what you're doing. And then you decided in 2018 uh, to launch your own, to hang your own tile. What, what made you do that? And, and, you know, what did you want to get out of doing that? Like, what was your drive? Yeah. So if you remember 2017 was a pretty rough year with Irma, Harvey, um, Maria, um, and the company I was with at the time, um, was responding to all of them. It was all over the place. I was gone pretty much that whole year. Um, and just wasn't really getting the support, um, that I needed. Um, and I, you know, I had spent a couple of years thinking about starting my own company. So after that year, um, kind of that, um, I would say beginning of 2018, I started just meeting with everyone I knew in the industry, you know, saying, this is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, what do you think getting advice from anybody who would talk to me? (laughs) Um, and I, and at the same time I was looking, I was interviewing for other companies just to see what was out there. And, I just didn't find what I wanted um, or what I thought should be out there. And that was, you know, I think um, once you respond to disaster or disaster, you can get really numb to what you're doing, um, I think. And what I really wanted to do, one, was bringing compassion to communities after disaster. And two, I wanted to give women and minorities an opportunity in the space. You know, it's typically been no offense to anybody, an old white men's job. Um, and so I think okay. it's really important that you have teams on the ground that are representing the communities they serve. Otherwise, you're not going to under- understand what they're going through um, or what their challenges are. And so I wanted to create that. Um, I did not intend to create it so quickly, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I set out my own. I didn't want employees. I said, I told everyone I wasn't going to have employees for a year. I just wanted to get the business started, do some contract work on my own. Um, but I, so I started the company August, 2018. I was working on a contract in Puerto Rico, doing training, going to the beach on the weekends, having learning Spanish, you know? Um, and then October, 2018, hurricane Michael hit, um, Florida to the cat five and, um, the city of Mexico beach, Florida was wiped out uh, 90% destroyed. And I was actually that Saturday in a massage in Puerto Rico, got out, and I had three missed calls from the Mexico Beach city manager um, and ended up called her back and ended up flying there the next day. And that really kind of what propelled um, the company forward um, about five months after I started it. So, Wow. You know, it's like one of the things that we build things on tragedy sometimes and, and to, to fix problems, right? Yeah. And, and I see that. And that's, that's a pretty compelling story. And and as an old white man, I, <laughs> I do not find any offense to that statement. You know, and, and it kind of goes, goes back, right? I mean, the idea of, of, of really getting more younger people, which is great, um, but diverse crowd into emergency management, I think is hard in a sense. And I say this because people don't, know what emergency management is right i mean if you mm-hmm. tell somebody oh you're an emergency manager they go and i've said this a gazillion times so people who've listened to this for a while you hear you know the story right you know they don't know they're like what's that and you have to explain then you end up going well it's kind of like fema but for local right right um, 
you know, but you know, fire, you know, police are, you know, EMS is, you know, you know what doctors do, you know what nurses are, all these other professions, you know, um, you, you know, right. Accountants, whatever. Right. Right. Um, you know, but emergency management is like really kind of unknown. Um, what are we doing? What are you doing? I put it on your shoulders a little bit because you just brought it up. What are you doing specifically to push the war down into the next generation of what emergency management is and to get others interested in taking it other than, and I'm, I'm a retread, right? Uh, so I, I had another career before I moved into emergency management, right? So a lot of us are. So what are you doing to get people that are, excuse me, that aren't retreads, <coughs> it's got a little bit of COVID stuff, right? Uh, that aren't retreads back in, into emergency management. Yeah, um, it's, it is it is a challenge, especially like I was talking about earlier on the consulting side. A lot of them know about, you know, I think what's more wide known, like the FEMA is the emergency, local emergency management, but consulting is a little more out there. You know, we have, I have former teachers, restaurant owners, engineers, accountants, you know, our industry touches so many different, you know, jobs that um, you can really pull from anywhere, not anywhere, but a lot of different, you know, aspects to make them fit. Um, what we've been doing is we've been partnering with colleges and not like, we're not just going to emergency management departments. We're going to the engineer, the architects, the environmental, the accounting departments and saying and presenting ourselves and saying, look, this is what this is what's out there. And we are, like you said, Rostin met with, oh, we didn't even know that was a thing, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think just getting that message, we get a lot of, um, at least from our staff, people who work for us, you know, word of mouth saying, telling their friends, um, you know, about us and about the company and what we do. Um, but it's, you know, it's an ongoing battle to get the word out there. And I think most of the time people hear about it, it's an exciting job, right? It's an exciting thing to do. Um, but then you also have to, like I said, you have to be cut out for the hours and the, the, the unknowns of the job as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I had a, <clears throat> I had a student and her background was in economics. Um, and I talked to her about like disaster economics. I said, Hey, this is, you know, this is something that's a really emerging field that we have because everything that a disaster touches um, that impacts humanity uh, is, is measured in dollars. Right. And then mm -hmm. and we talk about recovery measures in dollars and then how do we economically rebuild communities after they've been devastated and so you know <clears throat> um city planners you know that type of people are in that all sorts of stuff like you said that they could do that could get into emergency management you know it's not just the i have an old civil defense uh, shirt on today and so it's not just the old civil defense type of uh uh thing that we 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 talk we do but uh, although that is part of it right you know it's also funny i mean it's not <clears throat> funny but it's 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 funny right now because it didn't happen we are constantly getting dropped or saying we're going to get dropped by our insurance because they don't understand what we do. <laughs> they think we're like, you know, in the field, like, you know, in the middle of a disaster, doing heavy equipment and doing all these things. And we have to constantly, every time our insurance is up for renewal, explain, no, that's not what we're doing. Like we're consultants, we're grant managers, we're financial, you know? Um, so we kind of get it all over the place. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tout you a little bit here. So um, Eric McNulty, who's uh, a friend of the show, has been on a couple times, um, you know, part of the Harvard MPLI. Looks like that you received the award of Meta Leader of the Year. What does that mean to you? And, and how did you feel when you got that? 
uh, shocked. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was such an honor. Um, and honestly, I'm still shocked, you know, especially getting it in 2021 after, you know, our industry had just been through so much with COVID and so many people were working so hard um, with, you know, and saving lives. Um, and so it was just, you know, it, incredible honor um, and touching to to be nominated and, and to win that award um, from Harvard. Just, um, you know, I was, I think I was 31 when, or 32 when I went through that class, which, you know, I think they took a chance on it under somebody younger going through that. So, and it was my COO I met there, um, my, you know, tons of lasting relationships that have helped me with my business and my career. Um, and so it was just a, an incredible honor. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I, I know they're doing a great job over there and you people that went through the program. <clears throat> um, so what are you doing to develop uh, leaders? So we are doing a, a number of things. One, we, we create development plans for all of our, our employees for what they kind of want their career path to be. Um, and then we help them get there, whether it's with work that our company's doing um, or training, um, uh, you know, certifications, whatever it is. Um, we really try to support them um, into getting there where their goals are. Um, and, you know, a lot of that's just real life experience, right? Working with clients, working those disasters, um, as long as well as with the, the trainings to go with it. Um, but, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, there's, there's disasters nonstop. So our, these, these younger kids are getting a lot of experience, a lot of really good experience. Um, and so kind of fostering them in, in their drive to what area they want to go in. Um, you know, something we as a company have been really been focusing on this last year. Do you, excuse me, geez, that's terrible this morning. Um, do you see emergency managers, you know, we talked about different things they could do. Uh, do you see us moving into um, more directions, more outside of this, the traditional pillars of emergency management, doing things like, working with homeless or um, working more on helping communities become uh, disaster resilient in the sense of um, economic uh, diversity um, and diversity in, in where they're putting their, how they develop their cities, things like that. Or is that outside of what emergency management should be doing? You know, emergency management is kind of the dumping ground for anything that goes wrong. You know, I think we saw it with COVID. We saw, you saw it with the, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the crisis at the border, um, you know, you see it, we're, we're kind of thrown into, and FEMA, for example, is thrown into everything um, um, that, the stuff that's typically outside of emergency management. And so, um, you know, we saw a lot during COVID of the battles between Department of Health and Emergency Management. Um, and I think that was a big eye opener. I think we as a country thought that those two would go well, better together than they yeah. did. Um, you know, supply chain is thrown on emergency management. Um, financial literacy, I think, is a huge thing that, that's also being thrown on disaster preparedness is making sure you have the funds to get you through a week or two or whatever the time frame is before, you know, you can get help. Um, so it's I think the the definition of emergency management is broadening very quickly um, and has been for the last few years. If you could do one thing. If you could just snap your finger and make it happen, 
uh, in the field of emergency management, what, what, what change would you make? Oh, man. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just the complexity of all the programs um, and making that easier for communities and, and individuals on the insurance side understand it's it's a daunting process and for, a, you know, a survivor to have gone through what they went through and then trying to go through an insurance process or federal government grant program or multiple that don't speak to each other, that take years, um, you know, it just puts so much more trauma um, on people that, you know, have already experienced, um, you know, it's that secondhand trauma. And so I think we have, you know, FEMA is doing a lot to fix their programs to try to fast track fundings, but we have a long way to go and we could do a lot better at every level of government um, on trying to help those survivors more efficiently and quickly. Yeah, I know. I talked to Brock Long about that a while ago and talked about the idea of simplifying what we do, the process. And it just seems like the bureaucracy just won't let that occur at this point. I think that's a great goal to have. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if we all get together and, and make it happen, maybe we'll do it well, It's definitely a frequent conversation in our industry. It's just, you know, it takes acts of Congress. And when you have a new president and stuff, you know, things are just constantly changing, which is also an issue in emergency management. It's so political that it's hard to get things to stay in place for long enough to see, you know, a really big impact and change. Yeah, I've asked that question before. Um, multiple people, like, how do we take politics um, out of out of emergency management? And um, it's it's more of an academic exercise, right, to get people to, to have that conversation. And and realistically, you, it seems like you can't, right, because no. it seems like all disasters are political. Um, and 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 so, but the, the problem with having politics and emergency management is it makes it almost impossible sometimes to do our job efficiently. And I think that's a disservice to the uh, people who we serve. Yeah, and I think t- I tell my staff too. You know, it doesn't matter who's in office. Like no politician is going to stand there in the middle of a disaster and say, we're not going to help you, <laughs> you know, no, from whatever party, from whatever, you know, we're not, you're never going to get that. And so we're, where that politician takes the, takes it, that's where it changes. But, um, you know, we, we have never seen any politician, you know, not, not help. <laughs> See, that's, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Now, I, I'm gonna, I've got no, we only have a few minutes left where we can get deep into the conversation. Personal accountability, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but the, the, the problem is, is like, it's it's great during, I say great, put that in scare quotes, if you will, right? It's it's great when the disaster occurs and then the congressman or congresswoman uh, comes to the, um, you, know, you know, to the steps of the city hall with a big fat check and says, I've brought you millions of dollars. Everybody goes, yay. Right. But then if you turn around and you say, hey, you know, I would like to change that flood area over here and, and put in some better drainage. They're like, ah, it's not in the budget. And, you know, oh, this is in our long term deferred maintenance area. You know, we won't be able to get that till 2035. You know, you're like, holy crap. But then the flood occurs like, oh, we should have really fixed that area. You're like, holy shit. I've been asking. Oh, excuse my language. But explicit <laughs> on this, Brian. Um, you know, I've been asking for this, uh, you know, for, for a long time and it just doesn't happen. And. I, that needs to, that's the part that I would like to see change. Well, there's, you know, there was a big article and we saw this week about how, you know, the nation's floodplain maps are so far behind, but you know, that's a great example where FEMA comes in and help redoes, you know, communities floodplain maps. But what we find is a lot of communities don't want to know their risks because once <laughs> they're told their risks, then their community has to, their insurance raises it. They have to get, there's more people in a floodplain. It becomes this political nightmare. And then they're like, Oh, nope, we're not going to adopt those flood 
play measures and then the floods happen and then you're you're paying for people when you know that risk was there and they could have done something about it years before so it's a cycle that we think we can't seem to get out of yeah i mean I, the city of newport beach here in california um they petitioned to have the tsunami uh, zones changed um because because it affected uh, property values and this is some of the most expensive property in the con- in the world i think actually and yeah. and um y- you know when I was reading this and, and, and the thing is some people were like celebrating that, ah, this is great. I'm going until a tsunami occurs and you're not in that zone. And then, you, you know, there are insurance issues and stuff like this. Like, so they, they just don't see the, see that being a, uh, anyway, I can yeah. get, we can go, yep. we can go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. We, have, we only have a couple more minutes left. So, okay. Last question for you, right? Yeah. What book or books are you reading right now? And what do you recommend to emergency managers? Ooh. Um, so I kind of am always reading two books um, and I always read nonfiction right now. I'm reading um, Good to Great. It's um, an old book and it's basically breaks down comp- what separates good companies from great companies. Um, my company has um, gone through significant growth um, over the last couple of years. And so I'm always trying to figure out making sure that we continue that path Um and I'm always reading a biography too. So right now I'm reading Huma Abedin's book. She was a longtime aide of Hillary Clinton, um, Anthony Weiner's ex-wife oh, yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, and so those two things, I think for emergency managers, I think, um, you know, anything, any book on, um, I'll say any book, but books on management, Adam Grant um, is an amazing um has all of his books are great on management, how to work with different people, how to um, manage relationships. And I think that our industry is all about managing relationships um, in, in every, in every way. So um, I think the other plug I would say is Ryan holiday has some really great books. He is really big on stoicism and um, kind of going through obstacles um, kind of with a stoicism mindset. So those is he, are my- is he the author of the daily stoic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a book called The Obstacles, The Way. Um, and it's basically how people throughout their lives have overcome these huge obstacles um, and and still were great leaders. Um, and, and then kind of how you manage that. And so it's a quick read. If you haven't read it, Obstacles, The Way, he, um, it's a great read. I read yeah. it every year. I can read it over and over again. So. That's great. You know, I, I, it's funny you say that because I, I actually encourage my students to read a lot of philosophy as well. And, you know, uh, even some of the, in the ancients as well, and kind of how can we apply some of the lessons they learned back then to what we do today? Uh, because there's, there's always makes you think, right. The critical thinking skills and decision-making things that you get out of reading philosophy, I think is critical. So I'm glad that you, I'm glad you said that. That's, and not uh, getting that's... caught up in the emotion I think is big because it can get very intense and very emotional in things we do and how you can, you know, keep a clear head and, and not get caught up in the emotion of things when they're going on too. Yeah. And you know what? And we all have to remind ourselves of that because I have to tell myself this a lot too, is like when something happens, right. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control your emotion to it. And there are times when I have to cap that, take that 10 count because we all have that, right. We all get caught up and then you gotta, gotta get out of it. Well, Oh, we're, we're running over and uh, Brian's going to, Brian's going to kill me for, for doing that. Our, our producer, Brian. Um, so, but it was a great having you on. We should do this again sometime. Yeah. Thank you so much, Todd. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for spending, spending time with me this morning. Um, as I cough my way through things. Um, I just want to remind you that coming up in November, 
We have the IAM conference in Savannah. It's November 11th through 17th. I hope to see you there. We are going to be there in force. So come uh, find me and, and I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. And everybody else, you know, please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, go to your favorite podcast player. Give us a rating. Give us five stars if you wish. I uh, would love to have that. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And it's an honor to be here with you weekly. So until next time, please stay safe and stay hydrated.